to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome into the asylum, and as soon as we went on the air, my computer went completely black, and it will not come back on. And as things are just rolling along marvelously here in the asylum, I am Rick Briggs. My partner is Rick Flieger, and we are on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. And um, I have no idea, Rick. I was just sitting here, and it just went black. It's every piece of electronic equipment you touch just <laughs> completely. So it just, like, died, died, like croaked it's forever. It's still gone. on, apparently, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. You sure it just didn't fall asleep? No, it's not doing anything. You pushed 800 buttons and it... That... <laughs> I love it. I am just, like, appalled. I absolutely love it. So I'll just while you... Can we pa- just sit here for the next hour and listen to you try to get your computer to work? While you I'd p- listen to that. While you pad, I will just try to get it going. <laughs> I've you got start- it turned off. I'm ready for it to come right back. When- All of a sudden, the screen lights up. <laughs> but, of course, everything that I had up, is gone. I think you. it just went to sleep and you panicked and pushed no. too many buttons. No. But anyhow, this is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network at Asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFantasySports.com, uh, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Why do I suffer with that still 10 get, years later? Now, get your questions in. Yeah, and, for uh, God's sake. Because uh, we'll go to the – we're going to – it's about time. I mean, now August gets here. I mean, it officially starts today, today. the season. Today. We are in or on our way to Canton, Ohio, Rick. The Hall of shortly. Fame game officially starts the NFL season. We're going to start doing the mailbag segment. So get them in so your question can be read on the and air. And really, even if you don't care about the answer, if you like your buddy, your old pals, Rick and Rick, if we get a nice, big, thick, fat, nasty mailbag that kills an easy half hour and it is really hard coming up with content we can only be brilliant so much so the mailbag just makes our life so much easier so get those in asylumfootball@gmail.com at asylumfootball on twitter going to preview the nfc west today rick we'll be gathering up tomorrow in fact we'll be heading out to media day here in here in canton at the hall of fame Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll get some content up on AsylumFantasySports.com on our YouTube channel. You can check that out. Follow us on Twitter. Get all the updates, but we will get some stuff cut up. And for the shows next week, we'll have some uh, some Hall of Fame uh, tidbits for you there as well. So we'll be gathering that up today. The NFC West, we got all kinds of headlines. Rick, uh, before his computer crapped out, so I don't know if we'll get it, there was something that tickled his fancy. He was cackling like a hyena over they there. had a wonderful we went on story. Air. Right now, uh, just to let you know, Rick, uh, one of your discs needs to be checked for consistency. You may cancel the disc check, but it's strongly recommended. And, of course, I forgot to cancel it because I didn't have time. So now it's verifying the file, stage one of three. So oh, yeah. I have no idea how long it's going to take. Oh, yeah, that's not going to be back before the show's over. Probably that, not. That is an absolute guarantee. So I guess it'll be all football all the time tonight, Rick. Let's get into it. A few headlines hanging out. I find this one interesting because you and I, I think, are two very, very different opinions on this Vikings running back situation. Now, I read the headline and I thought, by God, I am right. I have got this thing nailed. Is it Dalvin Cook getting the absolute lion's share of the first-team work 
early in the Vikings camp. And I was ready to come in and just dance and tell you what an old fool you were. And I was dead right all over Dalvin Cook until you read on to the story later and you find out Latavius Murray's on the active pup list with a minor <laughs> ankle injury. Right. So I don't think the headline's as big as a, a deal as it is. But I guess the point is Dalvin Cook looking really, really good in camp, and you just wonder – how long this goes on, I really am starting to believe that Dalvin Cook is going to be the – I don't want to say the number one because Murray's going to get his carries. I'm starting to believe in Cook. But, I, but I, Cook's I, the guy I'm high on as an RB2. I'm, I'm believing him. I, you know, I like what I'm reading. I like what I see, you know. Hey, I sit around and watch NFL Network, yeah, you know, the training camp. So, wide, somebody's you know? paying his salary while he does this, uh, but. You know, I, I really like everything that I've heard and seen of Delvin Cook – but another thing I don't like is, boy, Latavius Murray just stays dinged up, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's kind of his thing. And yeah. it's not – He's even... Brian Westbrook. He's never out. He's just always nicked up. But Brian Westbrook usually doesn't get nicked up at least to like week two of the preseason. Well, that's true. I yeah. mean, you know, Latavius Murray's already got a foot issue. You know, we were kind of wondering because he had the surgery earlier in the offseason, and it's like, man, I mean, come on, Latavius. Let's get rolling here. It's training camp. So, yeah, I mean, I'm leaning your way with Delvin Cook. Yeah, and I think in that offense, if, if there's a true – now what I would worry about, if Murray can stay healthy enough to be on the field, boy, the kid's got a nose for the end zone, right? And so yeah. you worry. You see Cook doing a lot of work. And Did you worry that, about that a ton? How much do you devalue a guy who gets all the work from goal line to goal line and then loses his touchdowns to some type of touchdown vulture? How much do you factor that in in your evaluation of a player? Oh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, I feel like we talk about it a hell of a lot more than we ever act on it. I guess is my point. Yeah, because can you, re, you can't, I mean, let's look at the, let's look at everything. Last year, um, LeGarrette Blunt was a touchdown hound. Right. You know, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, you know, of course, those guys. But all the other running back scenarios that we, that we look at, you know, you take, Washington, you take Oakland. I I can't say Latavius Murray was a touchdown hawk. I mean, he was the guy. Yeah, for so, the most part. So, You're right. you know, Jalen Richard was basically the supplemental piece. DeAndre uh, Washington expected to be that guy to yeah. Marshawn Lynch's. Yeah, there's no year. real there's no real touchdown hawk in New Orleans. You you still had the two guys in Atlanta. Uh there it just doesn't seem to be these real dedicated I mean, you don't have a Not like Jerome Bettis was at the end. Yeah, of his Larry career. Zonka. I mean, yeah. you know, you got first down and and one, you handed it to Larry Zonka. He's going to get the yeah. end zone. But Bettis is really the last time I can remember that happening because you want to say that was the Garrett Blunt, but they really didn't use anybody else to run the ball. And right. Blunt got he was plenty over, of work between over a thousand the, yards. He got plenty of work between the twenties. He just didn't do much with them. It was inside the goal line where his success came in. So I feel like we spend a lot of time worrying about this, and the touchdown vulture just really doesn't exist. I, I don't believe it does, quite frankly, and and I don't. I guess in a roundabout way, what I was answering your question, no. Yeah, so there we go. We could have saved you all seven minutes there, but I told you at the beginning, there's a lot of time to fill here. It's not no, easy. But it, but it's but it is, you know, there's a lot of people that have been doing this a long time, and we're saying, oh, yeah, you morons. But, you know, 
there's a lot of people still getting into right. fantasy football. They don't know all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh, you know, people tell them that. And, and, and let me tell you, if you're new to fantasy football, you're the league rube. And these guys will tell you all kinds oh, yeah. of inside lie. information to help you out. And, They're not helping you out, pal. And we're going to get to that before the preview, Rick. This is a uh, bit I, I'm directly stealing from a friend of this show, but I do want to talk about it later. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I just want, I'll throw out there about six times that I understand we're stealing this bit. Uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. Sure. But, but we'll get there, Rick. Rick, I found this. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. There, there we there go. There you That's go. That's how you get away with plagiarizing. You just say that line. That's a good bit. Rick, I find this endlessly fascinating. Now, I feel like we've heard this before from other running backs, and it's never really come to fruition. But a lot of talk coming out of Brown's camp that Duke Johnson's going to take a lot of snaps as a slot-wide receiver. He's been seeing a lot in the early practices, and they expect this to go on into the season. That is a fascinating development, as good as this guy is with the ball in his hand in the open field. It's interesting for him. It's interesting for Crowell. Crowell I, what, what do you make of this? Am I, am I oh, getting I too excited about this? No, I, I think what they what Cleveland is realizing is – we can't afford to have either one of these guys on the bench because they're the best playmakers on the offense. Right. So why am I going to start Crowell two downs and then bring in Duke Johnson or whatever when we can have them both on the field? Right. And yeah, I mean, I think that's brilliant. I think it's and I think it's good for both players and good for the offense and good for the team. And I think it's great for Duke if. They continue to call him a running back, which I presume they're going to do. It is so valuable to have that guy in fantasy football that it's listed as a running back, but if he's going out and lining up as a wide receiver, getting those additional touches as long as these fantasy sites, your NFL.coms, your Yahoo's, whatever you're using, if you're using the you know the more mainstream ones for, for your redraft league, where you can plug Duke Jones if this happens – you plug Duke Johnson as the number two running back if you're weak at running back, and he's lining up taking 15 or 20 snaps at a wide receiver role. Boy, in a PPR league, all of a sudden you got yourself a great, great RB two. This could be the first situation since the Miami Dolphins where you could maybe legitimately start yeah. both these running backs uh, your old Ricky each Williams, week. Ronnie Brown. Yeah. Rick's proudest moment as a fantasy owner. Tell me that wasn't – It was I mean, brilliant. It, uh, every it, uh, week I'd, we'd talk about it. On, they were in double digits. Can you keep getting away with this? I don't know. And it just, it worked every single week. It did until Ronnie Brown went down yeah. and Ricky Williams won whatever, 1,300 yards yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think this is a situation where you could target both these guys. Yeah. Now, what I don't know, and, and we're not going to know, obviously. I don't know. Exactly. But what I don't know is – is he going to be a good slot wide receiver? We know he's a good pass catching running back. Can he line up as a slot receiver? That, you know, again, like I said, I don't know. But if he is a good slot receiver, that is so valuable if he continues to be listed as and can be utilized as a running back on your fantasy football system. 
Yeah. I love watching you try to push I, that board. It is just like I don't understand. It's I like, hit things and nothing happens. It's, it's like it's giving terrible. a chimpanzee a hammer watching you try to use it. Ajayi. I got my ajayi. That's all I need. I mean, it's just, it's just big fat fingers <laughs> slamming off the. So, so we have we have two sound boards. We have the one the the big shiny bright one i used to post it on twitter all the time because i'm so proud of it it's over in alejandro's control studio it's covered nine inches of dust because nobody works over there anymore (laughs) except for when i run back and forth and we have the one actually in the studio here with us just on an ipad and he just takes his big fat finger and starts slamming it off this thing and somehow he's the only person i've ever seen that when he slams his stupid finger on it nothing happens you know all you got to do is touch it i don't know and all kinds of things happen okay i'm I'm going to do it All now. right, push a button. I'm going to do it now, so if there's some awkward silence, All right. it's because I'm babooning it over here. Let's see. Oh, he first tried that. Works. It delayed, though. When, boy, when are you going to get your act together? What you just said. Almighty, now he's just pushing buttons. Now there's three sound bites to it. works. I'll judge you. How did we get here, Rick? Which one is that? How's that go there? That's you got Judge Wapner. That was you. That wasn't me. That was there. Judge Wapner. What we used to do for the NFL police blotter. We need to get back to that. We ought to be. Oh coming. yeah, because it's been a banner year so far. <laughs> All but, right. Uh, what were we talking? I don't about? know how we got there. Let's move on to another one, Rick. Let's. Here, here's what I'm nervous about: Jordan Reed on the pup list already. Just a toe injury, but man, this guy just. Can you ever? Tr- he should be the number two fantasy tight end, and I think he's still being drafted as such, if not two, three. Can you can you ever trust this guy? I'm all over Vernon Davis in the last round uh, of every draft I've done, just because I know they're going to throw to the tight end, and Jordan Reed's going to miss eight games this year. Well, is he? You, you don't know. I mean, he had a decent year last year, obviously. Of you know performing wise but i haven't seen vernon davis really do anything since san francisco days quite frankly and i'm I'm not a believer in vernon davis look the guy's a freak but he just doesn't seem to well yeah produce i don't mean mentally or i mean you know physically i mean he he's he's awesome just aren't there they're just not there but jordan reed is is a special player he he reminds me so much when we talk about him, of Keenan Allen, if yeah. he can stay on the field, mm-hmm. the ceilings, yeah, you know, the sky. So yeah, but I mean, is is he a? I tell you what, I don't know if he is to me a tight end to the the tight end too. Well, I'm going to take Kelsey Kelsey over him, and you'll take Greg Olson because you. I'll love take Greg Olson, Olson over him, and I'll take Gronk over him. I'll have him at four. Yeah, and and you have to take him about there. You have to when he's healthy. He he is right on Gronk's heels and the type of production he puts out, especially what he does in the red zone. But uh, it's just so hard to trust. Uh, Gio Bernard, Rick, a healthy, a, a surprise healthy arrival at Bengals camp. Everybody thought he was going to start on the pup list, might not even be ready for the beginning of the season. He showed up. He's healthy. We spent so much time talking about what it looks like between Joe Mixon and uh, and uh, Hill. And now all of a sudden, assuming Bernard was going to be sort of a later-in-the-year concern, uh, does this make a mess out of the Bengals' backfield situation? Does it change nothing for you? What, what does a healthy Gio Bernard mean with Joe Mixon in town? A healthy Gio Bernard, to me, remains Gio Bernard. 
Joe, yeah, I think Joe, he's him. Joe Mixon in town changes everything for Hill. I in bingo. my mind, I'm with you right there. Yes, yeah, because I look. Hill and Bernard are roughly the same age. I think they're only like 24, 25 years old. It seems like right. Bernard has been around for 100 years. It does years, feel like he's 40. Yeah. yeah, but he's young, and Cincinnati needs that versatility over what Hill has if they like mixing better than Hill. So, I mean, I think I think you would be wise to target Bernard later on, especially in a PPR league. He's always valuable. You plug him in in a bye week, he'll catch three or four balls anyhow. If you're in a PPR league, you don't have to take the goose egg that week, right? Right. If one of these goes down. But I think Hill's a guy – we talked about it with somebody, somebody on Old Guys Month we had, that that Hill was a guy I was – kind of stashing away in the 17th, 18th, 19th rounds of drafts just based on the touchdown numbers he put up last season and figuring if it became Mixon's job full full time, Hill would still be getting that ball down around the goal line, still sort of doing doing what he does. You just wonder now if you're working Bernard in and Mixon is what everybody thinks he can be, Hill might just get squeezed out. I don't know. One of these guys, Mixon obviously will, one of these guys may not make the roster. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but it almost takes all these, although they're penny stocks of all these shares I bought of Jeremy Hill might be in vain at this point. Yeah, that's very true. You never know, but uh, you know, the AFC North certainly not where we're going, and we discussed this earlier, but it changes the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago right. when Bernard comes in looking like yeah, he's going. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to do this. The The speculation was certainly he'd be on the pup to start camp. A lot of folks didn't think he'd be ready for the start of the year, so obviously healed a little quicker there. I don't know what else do we have. Jordan Matthews, that's interesting, but I don't think anybody's all that hyped up about Jordan Matthews. But a lot of speculation, he's still dealing with that knee tendonitis, that knee issue he had that sort of hobbled him up all year last year, and it doesn't seem to have gotten any better. You just wonder, I was always higher on Matthews than most. This is a guy that's sort of a a non-factor for me at this point, especially if he's not healthy. Well, yeah, but, you know, I really like him. It's just, I was excited about him this year with bringing in Alshon Jeffrey, with having a legitimate outside threat, and he was kind of trying to be the number one wide receiver coming out of the slot. And we can argue, I all sort of argued that it was working. Other folks would would feel differently, but I was excited. You have that legitimate threat on the outside, and what Matthews can do underneath. You know, he's a guy I had my eye on this year, but I'm concerned about well, this. He dealt with that knee all season last season, and then an entire off season. From what they're saying, he's not saying anything. The Eagles aren't saying anything about it, but all sort of the camp observers there in Philadelphia seem to think it doesn't look like it's gotten any better. Well, that's my concern. If he's health, if he was healthy, I was all in with Jordan Matthews because number because now with Jeffrey over there, Matthews doesn't have to be that dedicated, that big number one guy. Right. And, and I liked him much better, you know. But with this knee, if it's not going to heal, uh, you know, you got to stay away from him yeah, until way down in the draft. Yeah, and I mean he's going down there, so he. he Technically, could still be a stink, uh, stinky, <laughs> a stinky value. <laughs> I just say a stinky value. <laughs> I well, think we know what yeah. we're naming this one. God, I'm stupid. <laughs> yes, you are. 
A stinky value. A stinky value. We got to work that into a regular bit on the show. So, good lord. What is a stinky value before we work it into the show? What I is? I don't know. A stinky. Ma- okay, right now he is. Believe it or not, he is right in between on on the one I'm looking at. He is wide receiver forty six. All right, that's pretty wide receiver forty six. Yeah. Oh, that's a steal. Wide receiver 46. If he's healthy. In PPR. He is 106th overall. He's right behind, and I'm a little surprised at this one, Tyrell Williams is wide receiver 45. That's good value for both. Who's ahead of those guys? Give me the list. Let's play the game. Okay, well, I'm going to move up. Yeah, go up. I don't want to go under. Go up. Corey Coleman. I'll take both of those guys over Corey Coleman. Okay, the next one is John Brown. So they're right on the same level. Devontae Parker. Oh, both those guys over Parker. Kenny Britt. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yes, both those guys over Britt. Um, Randall Cobb. Cobb's that low. Wow. Cobb's that low. Well, you know, we saw what um, – we saw what Green Bay did. You know, I am getting so much crap coming up on this computer for some reason. You shouldn't be going to those type of sites that, that lead to those issues. No, it's right? just... Um, Do every- it on your phone in the bathroom like every other respectable gentleman. No. <laughs> <laughs> was no, that just me? scans and stuff that they're still trying to uh, to do here. Well, but- trying to fit- that computer is about the same age as me. That's the old original Asylum computer that crashed. How many shows did we lose as a result of that computer right there that you're using? But it has been just a workhorse for That's the Asylum true. here. Yeah, I think it's finally given up. No, it's not. We're, we're back in business here now. Okay, where were we? We were at John Brown. Were we not? At, they'd be we were t- to Randall Cobb. Okay, yeah, Randall Cobb. I apologize. And then uh, right above that is um, – wish I could find him here. Yeah, there's Corey Coleman. I'm so, okay, yeah, it was jumping all over the place. Randall Cobb and then Eric Decker is wide receiver 39. You know, the, there's been mixed reviews of Eric Decker coming out of Titans camp. Cameron Merritt a 38. Deshaun Jackson 37. Jeremy Macklin 36. Calvin Benjamin 35. So, I mean – we're getting some pretty heavy hitters down yeah. at wide receiver three, even. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe Matthews is fair. There might be six or eight guys I'd value them above, but no, I guess it's not that ridiculous. I guess the position's just that deep. It is. I, I, when, it, when you start seeing those names up there. Garcon, 34. Marshall, 33. Moncrief, 32. Martavis Bryant, 31. Willie Sneed, 30. So, I mean, it, it's. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, mean, I think just, that's more than fair yeah, for Jordan. The position's Matthews. just that deep. So, right. I might have them seven or eight spots higher. Than that ADP, but that's not significant, I don't think, statistically, no. when you get down to that point. All right, let's move on, Rick. I don't want to leave us short on time to preview the NFC West, although it's pretty easy division to preview. There's only two teams even worth discussing. But I am stealing this directly from our buddy, uh, I believe Dan wrote this, Dan Claskins. It was on uh, GetSportsInfo.com. 
And I saw a tweet they were sending out. I believe Dan was talking about this on his Sirius XM uh, fantasy show about all the characters you have in your home league. All right. And what I wanted to do, nobody knows who any of these guys are. So this is just, but I think this can equate to your home draft. But we're going to make it all about us, as we often do in the Caveman League, and the characters we have. Now, these are the <laughs> characters they say that are in every – I won't read them all because there's 12 or 14 of them. But there's the, the Darth Vader. He's the bad guy of the league, won the championship more than once. He's shrewd, good, and tough. The Black Cat uh, – Always have a team where four of his six picks get hurt. That's Rick Briggs, I believe, is the black cat in that <laughs> league. The unfrozen caveman fantasy player, that's that's uh, might be me, the guy who drafts people based on what they did four years ago. Not so much now. If it was 2012, you couldn't beat me. Uh, the Homer Simpson, uh, he's the opposite of Benedict Arnold. He's the Bengals fan with A.J. Green, Andy Dalton, Gio Bernard, Tyler Eifert. <laughs> uh, the crappy trade man, he's the guy who offers you terrible trades and then gets pissed at you when you don't take them. Uh, the walking no trade clause, he's the guy who won't even respond to your trade <laughs> request. We have one of those. The lawyer who needs constant clarifications <laughs> and is always arguing with them. So these are the ones they put up. But we have – basically a quadri of criminals that are in the caveman league and i'm just wondering if we can define any of them rick uh, well i mean i would like and to use their names too full names and social security <sighs> i actually have you know putting together the draft book this yeah you year. do this every year that's why when i saw this story i thought of you I've, you've been doing this you just haven't published it you've been doing this for years i've got um pictures of this year the theme was and you remember a few years ago I went with um, I don't know like George Animal Steel and yeah, Charles yeah. Manson and just all kinds of sort of lunatic sort of characters. Right. This year I went with coaches, NFL coaches, okay. and not not so much similar similar to those coaches, but the pictures that look like the 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 owner and. I put a little story behind them, like, um, and I don't want to give it away, but but you'll see it. There's, but there's there's one guy on our team who just scoffs at the idea that he's not the most magnificent thing since sliced bread when it comes to drafting a football team. He oh, loves his team, Bowser. Yeah, no, no matter what. Yeah, he's downright delusional. Right, and, and he sort of always has been, and he always finishes middle of the pack, but he honestly believes his name's Rich Bowser, if you want to look him up. He's a horrible human being. I think you can find it out there. And, yeah, it's it doesn't whoever he drafts instantly becomes the best player in the league, and he will mercilessly mock you for any draft pick. If you take David Johnson first pick overall, he will mercilessly mock you. And the problem with him is I think he means it. I think if I didn't draft him, so this guy clearly has to suck, and then he runs out there and finishes, you know, what, five and eight or six and seven and can't understand what happened at the end of the year. And yet he has put together a Super Bowl winning season before. Yeah. And to his credit. We have the human rain delay. The human rain delay, who is, you know, not the Darth Vader, but he doesn't say much. No. 
Uh, he's tough. He kind of sucks in that way. He shows up. He takes 18 minutes to make every selection. Then he walks out the door without, and you don't hear from him again. Well, he has all January. kinds of ta- yes, all kinds of tactics too. Some the one year he didn't show up and called in <laughs> from uh, the beach with a poor connection. Yeah, and um, yeah, you think a guy he, he literally takes 15 to 20 minutes when he's in the room. Imagine the time it took when he was on the telephone. Well, you were there. Um, that was the year Bowser was making dates with the Red Hat Society, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we rented a room next door to the Red Hat ladies, and that, that didn't go well <laughs> no. for anybody. No, especially them. Um, who else do we have? I mean, we, we, just have we have some pure lunatics. Yeah. We have um, just wild. I, I don't know. It, it's hard to. There's we no, have drug addicts. We have two or three drug addicts. But that's you know we're all addicted to something. Yeah. So I mean you know we theirs is just hardcore narcotics. You know, <laughs> I mean, we, you know. we ta- have to take a smoke break every three rounds, three to four rounds, and a lot of folks go out and have a cigarette or smoke a cigar, and we have two or three guys who have to have the stickiest of the icky, if you know what I mean. So so you got that. So that always makes so that's a guy. Since I just called but everybody him, does uh, like to drink beer. Yeah, I just called him a hardcore drug user, so I won't use his name. But we do have the one guy who has the best – this guy knows sports. He knows football. He's a hardcore gambler, but he's also a hardcore drug addict. So his first four or five rounds are always the best four – the top four or five of anybody in the league. And then he goes out and he gets crushed and he comes back in and it sort of all falls apart at the end. And at the end, at the, at the end when you're looking at the draft board, you think, boy, he put together a pretty good team from here to here. He could compete. And then he finishes four and nine. So you have that guy. I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to... Um... I'm trying to think what guy Rick Briggs is. I'm trying to put a finger finger on that. I, just sort of the old grumpy guy. Kind of what you are on this show, I guess, right? I, I don't know. I'd kind of like liken myself as a, as a kind, gentle, fatherly figure. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. yeah, that, that if like... If your father was a drunken child abuser then yes you are a fatherly figure no that's not true i've never molested a child never would <laughs> well that's good to know drunken that's different okay you know that's the you know by abuse i meant beating the children oh, I, I wasn't well, going to sexual abuse well, i figured that topic was a little heavy for this show <laughs> well all of this we have the guy it was mentioned in dan's story we have the guy who comments on every pick right oh that's a great pick oh great value we have we have about four guys in this league, and I these are these are, you can tell they're the rubes, right? The rubes and the boobs. That say you're in the third round. All right, I'm, I'm looking for somebody with a third round price tag. Let's say Ty Montgomery. So they just made their pick at three ten. Actually, that's a bad example. They made their pick at three two, and then the person at three three takes a player, and this guy who's 24 picks away goes. Damn, you sniped him from me. I was going to get him when he came back. In 24 <laughs> picks, a-hole, really? You were going to do that? We have the guy, he's not in the league anymore, the old commissioner who would make an awful draft pick and come oh. back and nudge, nudge you in the ribs and say, let's oh. be honest, he wasn't going to make it back yeah. to me. Every draft has that guy, right? He just, well, then there was the guy. He makes a terrible reach and then try, spends the next two rounds trying to justify that terrible reach. To everybody. He, he yeah. wants some affirmation from someone. <laughs> You know, the, Carson Palmer in the third was great, wasn't it? Wasn't that a good pick? Somebody, anybody, hey, please. Bob, wasn't <laughs> that a good one? And meanwhile, he's a, you know, Bob's over there, you know, picking, 
a running back in the <laughs> third or something. Yeah, that that was a great pick. Yeah, and then there's also the we've got a live stream or do something with this draft this year. We threaten every year. No. I want I want people to see to see these Cretans, the, these drug-addled, racist, horrible people that we draft with Rick. I think people need to see. We this. would never be able to show it well, for one true. thing. So I mean, that's that's just that's just no. And then we wouldn't have any equipment left. Well, that's true too. Yeah, I don't want any of those barbarians touching any of the equipment. Yeah, and yeah, and speaking of barbarians and cavemen and lunatics and rotten people, let's not forget Mr. Fligger. <laughs> one year out of how many? For one year, and that was your fault. It was not my fault. You're a rube and a, and uh, um, a drunk everywhere. It was just so much amplified at your house. We did the draft I didn't have to drive year. home. <laughs> I was home. It's a good thing because you'd have never made it. You couldn't even have rolled upstairs. You couldn't have rolled downstairs, I don't think. You were just incapacitated. They had to pour you into a shoe or something. I don't know. But... Yeah, I, I had mean, a few sh- cocktails. One of it. <laughs> yeah, you had. <laughs> well, a- that was your fault. If you'd showed up before eleven thirty, I mean, I'm going to get equally hammered this year. But presumably, you show up before ten, and it'll be the fifteenth round when I'm falling down drunk, and then you can go home and won't have to deal with me. I'll just be <sighs> crashing around the studio. We may not have any equipment left because we are drafting here in the studio. But yeah, that's. Uh- we may have to figure out something to do with that, but anyway. Oh, and Alejandro's in the league, so wherever you classify him, I assume, anyhow. I don't know. Well, he'll probably be uh, practicing and performing over in the well, other room he'll dance here. for us? He may put on a show in between, like, instead of a smoke break, we just have an interpretive dance break. I would watch it. I think he has to, right? And if he does, we will put that up on the YouTube channel and on the I wonder if he could get up, like, you know. Do like the old three students where Larry gets down like the old Russian guy on the, you know, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> sticking the one that. foot out, you know, playing the fiddle at the yeah. same time. I mean, that would just be. Well, let's hope so. Oh, yeah. He's going to try now. If he wants back in. I wonder if he wears tights. Well, you have to, don't you? I don't know. You have a tutu or something. I don't know. Well, but I think you have tights under your tutu. <laughs> so, Alejandro, if you're listening, if you want back in, you show up at the Caveman Draft in tights prepared to do whatever that weird dance thing Rick was just talking about. You know, about. before we really get into anything. All right, we got like 20 I mean, minutes left. We've so already degenerated to nothing, okay? <laughs> um, a woman, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what town. Sheffield Lake, wherever that is. It's Cleveland, Ohio. Well, there you go. Okay. A woman shocked 911 operators in Ohio when she called in to report that she had a five-foot-long snake wrapped around her neck. I have a boa constrictor stuck to my face, the woman (laughs) said on the call. Eloquently put. She added the snake had latched onto her nose, and she was unable to pry the mouth open. On the call, the dispatcher can be heard saying, I've never heard this before. Well, no kidding. (laughs) The woman whose name has not been released was keeping the boa constrictor as a pet. She told 911 operator she, quote, unquote, rescued the snake just the day before and that she had nine ball pythons, whatever those are. Doesn't sound good. I'm butt scared of snakes. When responders arrived, she was lying in her driveway with blood around her. She was taken to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Firefighters said they had to cut off the snake's head to detach the reptile from her face. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good. That's what you get. Because of how close it was wrapped around here, there were no other options from what I understand. <laughs> I would imagine. So they use like just a pair of bolt cutters because it'd be pretty fine if it's right up against your schnoz, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, That'll teach you for uh, playing with a bow constrictor. <laughs> I, I'll never understand that. Why do people think like a a snake is like a kitten or something? Well, those ones that'll do it with the tigers or the people with the monkeys. You know, they'll rip your face off. Yeah. At any minute. There was that lady. It just ripped her face off. Yeah. And I was supposed to feel bad for her. No, no, you put a wild animal in your house. Well, it you? wasn't her. That was the neighbor. Well, yeah, the neighbor. Lady. Yeah, I'd she be suffered. About that. Yeah, I would be too. Well, yeah, but, don't go visit the but donkey. But they act like a chimpanzee's a, a cute little. They're like what? Eight times stronger yeah. than a man or something. I mean, you're not going to win. Yeah, no, you just got to look at them cross-eyed. It's like doing a show with you. Everything's going along fine, and you look at them cross-eyed, and all of a sudden the table's getting flipped over, and you can't have it. And he's clawing yeah, but, your face off. But I get tired quick. So. Well, that's the good thing. Yeah, I mean that's the good. By the time you get on the other side of the console here, you're out of energy, and it just sort of dies down. All right, Rick, NFC point. West. I think we left about eight minutes for this, if yeah. I'm not mistaken here. i, I got to go through it. It gets so deep at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> Let's start with who matters, the Seattle Seahawks, Rick. I, really, the only thing to talk about here is resolve this uh, RB situation for me. Lacey Rawls, Procise, what's it look like for you? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, I mean, I, I would love to see Eddie Lacey actually excel because I like – I just like his – if he could maintain his weight and run hard, he's got everything that they need. I mean, right. you know, you talk about beast mode too. I mean, he could certainly do it, but will he or not? I don't really know. Thomas Rawls to me is not the guy. Procise is interesting, but I'm not sure he's an every down back either. Yeah, and everybody's losing their S on Procise. He had 30 carries last year. I know. All right, yeah, he averaged 5.7 yards a carry. True. Really passed the eye test, the sniff test that we always talk about. But it was 30 carries. But you hit on something, Rick, when you mentioned beast mode again. Hell yeah. All right, so when you talk about him, when Pete Carroll's Seahawks teams were the best was when they had your boy, right, when, right. He, when he was around. Oh, yeah. I'm just about that action. We know, Marshawn. Calm down, Marshawn. We're running out of show here. When things were going their best, he had beast mode doing beast mode things. Oh, God. (laughs) Stop touching I can't do anything. All right. Anyhow, Eddie Lacy, he's no Marshawn Lynch. They're two totally different guys. Oh, yeah, I know. But he likes that big physical bag. If Eddie Lacy is in shape, if he can stay healthy, I believe he gets first crack at this. And that's all I can say. That's all I can predict at this point. Every one of these guys, back in 2015, before he started dealing with the injuries, Thomas Rawls averaged five and a half yards a carry. We, I just said, Procise last year on his 30 carries yep. averaged 5.7. They have an inordinate amount of talent there. Rawls can't stay healthy. He can't do it long term. Procise, very interesting because of the limited work. We haven't seen any of the warts yet. Maybe he's that guy. But Pete Carroll seems to like that big physical running back. He, heck, he did it even going back to the USC days, Rick, if you recall, where he had Reggie Bush, who was the best college football player I'd seen in a lot of years at that time, and he was using Fat Lendale White just as much, right? He likes this big physical guy. That, so I'm thinking Eddie Lacy gets first crack. We, we speculated on it for two straight off seasons now. Can he stay in shape? Can he stay healthy? Can he be that guy? I can't predict that. I don't know. There 
they're handing him 55 grand every month. He can keep it under 250 pounds, and he's been able to do it. Maybe that's motivation enough. If I'm going to own one with the presumption of needing to play them, it's going to be Eddie Lacy. C.J. Procise, if he was a value, he'd be a guy I'd stash away. But he's getting drafted way too early, Rick, for me, for you still have Rawls. Rawls and Procise, to me, are probably the same guy. And if Eddie Lacy is healthy and in shape and doing what Eddie Lacy needs to do, those two guys are going to fill secondary roles, and they're going to be fighting to fill that secondary role. So quite frankly, Lacy might be the only guy based on ADP and based on value I feel comfortable carrying on my squad. If with what they had on the team, Rawls, Procise, and who everybody else, you know, whoever else on that team, you know, Chris Carson, what Alex Collins, some of the other running yeah. backs. If Pete Carroll was comfortable with that, would they went out and invested in Eddie that's Lacy? A, that's a hell of a point too. That was a big number that's, they put on a guy with that kind of question mark. To me, that's just a light bulb over right. Eddie Lacy that puts him a little ahead of these other guys. When all the other pundits are going prosize, 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 they wanted. Eddie Lacy. Right. They didn't go out, you know, I mean, they already had ProSize. They already had Rawls. They already got every other Joe in in the stable there. Pete Carroll's not happy with that. I'm with you. I think he wants that big bruising back because that's what he likes to play. That's what he likes. You have the dynamic playmaker in Russell Wilson. You know, if you want to talk about a thunder and lightning thing to cheese it up from several years ago – Russell Wilson is the lightning, I think, if they're doing things the way they want to do them, right? And so I think I, it's going to be – Him what, and Doug Baldwin have certainly created some lightning right. over the last couple of years. What I can't guarantee you is if Eddie Lacy can get back to that form of a few years ago, if he can stay in shape, I can't guarantee you that. If he does, it's his job for the taking. He's going to get the preference. For, for what you just said, that's an excellent point as well. I don't know, is there anything else in Seattle to talk about, Rick? I, I love Russell Wilson. Yeah. Love Doug Baldwin. I really – really like Jimmy Graham this year. He has finally, and, and you know I called it when he left New Orleans, he wasn't going to be this impactful tight end in Seattle. I think now finally they're realizing this guy can catch the football and right. we better use a tight end. Right. He's very important. I, I love him going into 2017. Um, Lockett has some value. At the right price. He's yeah. going to be one of your stinky values. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a stinky value. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think – and the defense, obviously, well, is, yeah, is – yeah. is, um, there you go. I mean, it, it's – let's go to the only other team that's really yeah. – Okay, you have the ninth-ranked overall offense in the league, the second-ranked overall defense in the league for an entire year. What's your record? It ain't 7, 8, and 1. It shouldn't be. Well, but it was. I think last year actually was just a, you know, a conglomeration of unfortunate events, bad losses, you know, in close games that even shouldn't have been close. This is the Carson Palmer's basically his last roundup. It might be Larry Fitzgerald's last roundup. You have arguably the best running back in the league. You have arguably, well, it's not even arguable. You got a top five defense still. Right. Um. And you've got John Brown, who's actually emerged. You know, 
you don't have a big play tight end, but with everything else going for you. They've never used the tight end. No, they don't. We've tried to squeeze their tight end into a fantasy role several times, and it just never happened. No, and, and it's just it's, that's We'll just see Arizona is. tonight, as a matter of fact. Rick taking on the Dallas Cowboys, although I'm sure we won't see we won't anybody you've ever. We won't any of these stars. You won't see anybody you've ever yeah. heard of. But. But, but John Brown has emerged. J.J. Nelson's interesting. You know, they've got a lot of depth at wide receiver. Um, Jermaine Gresham's adequate at tight end. He knows how to block. He knows the scheme. Right. So, I mean, everything's okay, I think, in Arizona. And, and there's no reason in the world that they should even be struggling this year, playing San Francisco tri- twice, playing the Rams twice, and, and, and the rest of their schedule. I mean, if 10 games is minimum to me with this team. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, they're one of those weird teams. Oakland's the opposite. They don't travel to the East Coast very well for for 1 o'clock games. So that's what I'm looking at here, Rick, uh, trying to see how much time they're going to spend on the East Coast. They're uh, at Detroit, a 1 o'clock game. So that technically that moves you to Eastern time anyhow. At the Colts, they're Central, I believe. But Detroit's Central too, right? No, I think they're still East. I think. I think Detroit's still easier. I could be wrong on well, that. Well, Indy, Indy's central. Yeah. Uh, Philly's east. At Philly, so that that's probably a loss for them. At Houston, that's not too bad. Home to the Jaguars. So they don't go to the east, but they don't go to the east coast, but one time when they go to Philadelphia. So no, Washington. Are they going to They're Washington They're at Washington, again? yeah. Are you looking at last year's schedule? Oh no! I stopped. No. I stopped looking on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, there you go. They actually play after that. Okay, you know. Well, I figured. But they're that. home. They're hosting the Giants. They're hosting Tennessee. They're hosting Jacksonville. Um, they're hosting Tampa. Um, some of the real heavyweight teams are actually they're hosting. They're home. They're so hosting that Dallas. Well that bodes well for them. So, I guess here's what we know: what David Johnson is. We know who he is. They re-signed Chris Johnson. Yeah, just as insurance. That's a, I don't usually handcuff. I think that's a handcuff I might think about. Although David Johnson stayed relatively healthy at this point, at least for a running back. For me, Rick, it all comes down to Carson Palmer's health, right? I mean, you're worried about that shoulder, worried about the arm strength. Now reports are coming out he's busting fingers and tearing the webbing between people's fingers and workouts back in minicamp. Seems like he's healthy. He's got the arm strength back. As he goes, I think the Cardinals go. The only other question I had jotted down, even worth talking about with the Cardinals, is why in God's name, Rick, and this hasn't been you. You've been screaming this from the mountaintops for years. Why the hell in fantasy football circles does Larry Fitzgerald get so disrespected? He's coming off a back-to-back years of 107 and 109 reception, Drake, and still, still a forgotten man. I think the only thing, because he's not a 12-touchdown guy yeah, on that offense is the only thing that gets me. But if I'm playing in a PPR format, that's – I mean, yeah, you want touchdowns, obviously – but if you have 108 catches as opposed to another guy with 70, right? I mean, you've already cut the difference in touchdowns in half. I mean, still, Rick, still coming off of 107 and 109, as I look at it now, he is the 27th receiver coming off the board. That's a wide receiver three who's almost a lock for 100 catches, Rick. I'll take him. 
I will take him. There's... I mean, here's the guys going right ahead of him. Julian Edelman. Love Edelman in a PPR, but no. I'm sorry. Just no. No, 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 no. Golden Tate? Really? Nah, no Golden chance. Golden Tate? Crabtree? Edelman, I think. Uh... In a PPR, you can't take Crabtree over him. Maybe in a sta- – uh, probably definitely in a standard, I would. Oh, definitely in standard. I'd think about Crabtree with that offense. About 23, Tyree but... Kill. Seriously? No chance. I'm Martavis t- Bryant? Look, if you're in a PPR, Bryant didn't catch anywhere near 100 balls. He's no. going to put up a lot of yardage and could see the end zone 8 to 12 times. But he didn't get anywhere near 100 catches. Devontae Adams, you know, until we get up to 20 with Jarvis Landry, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, now you're getting in the category where you start talking about it. You know, we can debate if you'd put Fitzgerald ahead of any of those guys, but that's the company he belongs to. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking really? about it, you know, as, as well as Carson Palmer goes, so go to Cardinals. You know, we all remember the Allen Robinson story last year with right. Blake Bortles. You already said Blake Bortles throwing 48 <laughs> interceptions a game. It's kind of his thing. That's what well, he likes Well, that's to do. the thing. Are you taking Allen Robinson over Larry Fitzgerald? Probably not. I feel safer with Larry Fitzgerald. 107 catches, 1,023 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, his yards per carry are down a little bit. His touchdowns are down a little bit. But you look at um, uh, Julio Jones last year. Six touchdowns, 83 catches, 1,400 yards. Yeah, his yards were there, but over Larry Fitzgerald, a difference of less than 40 points. Right. Well, and you look at – Here's what's crazy when you're talking about a PPR format, and this is the ADP I'm looking at is – Less than 35 points. Is the PPR ADP. Rick, if he regresses 20 catches this year, and that'd be a huge regression, right? He's still at 90. Right. (laughs) Right? I mean, so he could take a huge step back. He's getting older, I understand. He showed no signs of slowing down. But if he does, if he has a 20 reception – regression he's still at near 90 receptions there is a lot of guys who are going to put him up put no. up that type of reception numbers in a ppr format Antonio it's just crazy Brown to me. went down 20 catches he was right. 106 yeah. so i mean yeah i mean you get up in that territory that was always my knock on mike evans a couple of years ago you know he had like the whatever it was 13 touchdowns one year but he had 68 catches well now he's up around the 95 right, to right. 100 catches which makes him top-notch elite yeah i mean i'd love to see more yards per catch and more touchdowns out of fitzgerald but if you can give me guarantee me 90 receptions which i think i can guarantee with larry fitzgerald uh, i'll take that i'll go ahead and take that exactly and uh, yeah i we talk about you know people really get on jarvis landry for the same thing right larry fitzgerald is getting the same disrespect right only quietly because he quietly because he's Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah, he's and, and that's the thing. Nobody, nobody's pro. going to bust on Larry Fitzgerald. No. and oh, he's a bum. This and that. No, he's but too good but of a they're guy. quietly staying away yeah. from him. Like I don't get it's it. almost like, like the Frank Gore syndrome. Oh, he's done. Well, yeah. here he goes again. <laughs> he's done. Oh, there well, he Frank goes Gore's again. done this year because I've hopped on the bandwagon. So. <laughs> oh yeah, he's done. So, He'll have break a leg so in first preseason game. I don't know Rick, anything else in Arizona worth talking about from a fantasy standpoint. Just the defense, man. Yeah, yeah, and load definitely up there. grab that defense. But I mean, now we go to where you want to go, Los Angeles. San Francisco. You pick. I don't care. Let's go to Los Angeles because at least it probably has a decent defense. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at the comparison last year offensively between the Rams and San Francisco. All right. 
The overall 31st ranked offense Woo-hoo. was San Francisco. Yeah, buddy. 32 was L.A. Oh, whoops. Um, only because San Francisco could run the football. They were dead last in passing at 32. Unfortunately, the Rams were 31. <laughs> but saving the Rams, defensively, they were ninth overall. San Francisco, 32. Yeah, so there's your difference. Yeah, that's why you win three games. Although, if L.A. can't get my boy uh, Donald back into camp, Aaron Donald, they could drop precipitously for them right. as well. But let's look at L.A. You have Jared Goff at quarterback. People are starting to get on the Todd Gurley bandwagon. They've tried to improve the offensive line. So, I mean, and you can't take anything away from the skill set of Todd Gurley. But if you're passing for 150 yards a game and you have, what, Robert Woods and Tavon Austin, your ones and twos. Yeah, if, I mean, it's kind of like I was talking about Oakland. All they have to do is create the threat of the run. Right. If they can't create a threat of the pass, do you see anything preventing anyone from eight in a box to stop Gurley? Here's what I can't figure out with Gurley, though, and this is why, I don't know, I guess you get to pick. This is one of those rare cases where you get to pick and choose of how, based on past performance, how you think this year will shake out. The offense was horrific as for the rookie year, right? They were they were terrible then, and he put up the numbers he did. And I don't want to hear that. Well, he sort of stepped on the scene and surprised everybody because it, it doesn't matter. You could put you know that boa constrictor in a helmet and put him in the backfield. You no. either tackle him or you don't. So he can perform within a horrible offense. So he did it in brilliantly the first year. He reverted, regressed all the way back last year. But let's not forget, what did Jeff Fisher do the year after his rookie year? Got rid of Long. Got That's rid true. of, um, oh, the other name, the other oh, the center. The name's escaping me. I, right. I, I wish I put. But he basically purged that line. That's fair. That's fair. And I don't see where it's all that much better. Okay. I well, mean, they've there. made some improvements. But is it that line that they had three or four years ago? No. No, no, certainly. So, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I can't blame Gurley, but I'm still dubious about really buying into him as an RB1. He's going right now like an ADP. He's an RB10, I believe. Yeah, I have him at 10. And to me, that's just a little high. No, he's at 208. I'll tell you, if he falls to the third round, Depending on your draft strategy, I think, really determines his value. And that seems backwards, right? But I think your draft strategy determines his value. If you've gone wide receiver, wide receiver to start, and you're sitting around the beginning, middle of the third round, and Todd Gurley's name's still hanging out there. Oh, yeah. And it's hanging out there with the likes of Hyde, Ware, Martin, Cook, some of these guys also with question marks. He is probably, Rick, the first running back I'd take with question marks, right? So where I'm not going to take him is in the middle of the second round, which is kind of where his ADP's fallen, where, all right, I take Julio Jones or something in the first, and then I come back around and I want to grab him as my one and is really the second part of the centerpiece of my franchise. I don't want to do that. But if I've gone Julio and who's your number two 
wide receiver in that scenario, Allen Robinson, whoever, it doesn't yeah. matter. Throw a name out there. And then I slide back around eight, six, eight picks later, and Todd Gurley's still hanging out. So, yeah, I don't know that I love having Todd Gurley as my number one, but the risk-reward becomes there when I have that top-end receiver talent. I think you can take the chance with him there. So I think your strategy dictates where his value falls. Yeah, I'm not totally sold away from him. I just think, like, in that scenario, like you just described, I don't know. I, it may be um, a Crowell or Fournette there that I'm going to take ahead of him. Oh, I, yeah. I, you yeah, know, that, yeah, that's the thing. That. Okay, we're going to have to move on here. We're, we're running out of Nobody time. Nobody else fantasy relevant in L.A., right? I mean, just no. Nah, Tavon I, mean, I, I always like to roster Tavon Austin, you know. Yeah. Just hope on somebody's bye week or somebody's injury week. He has those one or two games where he busts one for 70, right? Right. But but that's it. I mean, Farrell yep. Cooper, really? Come and on. The, and, the de- and the defense is useful in fantasy for those leagues that use defenses. All right, San Francisco, baby. Woo-hoo. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, think of it. You have you have Carlos Hyde at running back, supposedly, but I mean, I guess they're high on Joe Williams. So is it going to be Hyde? Is it going to be Williams? Or is it going to be RBBC? If they keep Hyde, it's going to be Hyde. And Hyde's going to have a good year. I'm actually bullish. I don't want to say bullish. I still think they're only going to win four games kind of bullish on this 49ers offense at least compared to where they were last year and compared to what a lot of people They're think fourth in the league in rushing last year and i, I mean, like they, brian hoyer now he can't stay i don't healthy. mind brian hoyer when he's no. healthy he's a professional quarterback and he's i like garçon and i and i don't hate jeremy Curley now that in the roles he at with with um, right. garçon and garçon's interesting because remember what when deandre hopkins put up his biggest numbers in houston yeah. was with brian hoyer at the helm Right. So he can get the ball to a good-handed receiver, if that's a thing, a good-handed receiver. Yeah. I don't know if that's proper grammar or not. I don't know. And Pierre Garçon is that guy. Yeah. He's a little older. He's not that quick. He's not a game-changer, but he's a good possession receiver. Right. And Brian Hoyer's the kind of guy who can get the ball to a good possession receiver. Carlos Hyde, assuming they don't cut him, I still don't understand what all that talks about. If you can keep him healthy. Could it just be, be the old quote-unquote fake news stuff just to Very get well, people talking? Very well could be. I mean, I don't buy that he's – it, it, and let's face it, if you're targeting Carlos Hyde and San Francisco cuts him, yeah, don't don't shy away from drafting him because they have a job in about four oh, minutes. Yeah, yeah. He won't the waiver wire will explode, it'll catch fire yeah. in, in that amount of time. So but I assuming they keep Hyde, I think Hyde's a top thirty fantasy running back, maybe even a top twenty four. I think he's a low end too. If Brian Hoyer and that's always been the knock on Hoyer, he can't stay healthy. He'll he'll get a little on a little roll. I think back with Houston he had nineteen touchdowns, only seven picks. So he can get the ball around, but he can't stay on the field. If he can stay on the field, I think that bodes well for Pierre Garcon. I think Pierre Garcon can have right. seventy or eighty catches, which I'd be happy with for my wide receiver three. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, the the biggest downfall for San Francisco is they have six games against the Seattle defense, that, the Arizona defense, and the Ram and defense. The Ram. And as bad as the Rams' offense is, their defense is pretty doggone yeah. good. You're talking about the second overall defense from last year. Um, what is it, the fifth and the ninth or something like that? I'd have to pull it right up. But, I mean, you're talking top ten defenses. They had to play six times total. And that's, that is a bit of a drawback, but they can still move the football, at least on the ground. 
And Hoyer's going to be able to do it on through the air, yeah. I think. Yeah, so I, I think it'll be better. And I think I think Garçon's being forgotten because that's been such a bad offense for so long now. But I think if I had Garçon as my wide receiver three, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't either. All right, Rick. And I'm so going Seattle, Arizona, right on their heels. I think they're both yeah. playoff teams this year. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're back to that, I think. And Rams, San Francisco. Yep, in that order. I have the same thing. And yeah. if San Francisco and L.A. could flip, who knows. Yeah, and, and without really delving too far, I mean, you know, if Arizona's in, that means somebody from last year has to be out. You know, and that's going to have to be – what, a Giants or a Cowboys team or a Redskin team, something like that. We'll be getting into that next week as we start covering what do we have left. We have the NFC South, North, and East. So we'll be knocking those out next week. And um, it's hot and heavy lineups, drafts, and everything else from here on out. Yeah, follow us at Asylum Football on Twitter. Get updates from everything we're doing out in Canton. Keep an eye on AsylumFantasySports.com and YouTube. We'll get those videos up. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. We're hitting the road right now, Rick. we got to get out there in time for the game. So we're, we're going to start uh, burning the rubber down towards Canton. Thanks to the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Follow them. Check out lots of good content yes. going on out there. I think that's it. At Asylum Football on Twitter. Until Get next your questions week. in. Oh, for God's sake, asylumfootballgmail.com. Help us kill 15 minutes, please, please, right. please. But until next time, we'll see you. Take care. There it is. This is Darius Rucker, right? Yes, sir. I, st- I think it's actually better than that older version. I know that probably is. Well, no. I mean, well, the original version was Bob Dylan in that in the soundtrack, but then the old Crow Medicine Show did it. Just well, relative. I mean, obviously, like in this decade of 2010, sometime. <laughs> and then, I mean, it sounds weird, but I mean, we're almost done with this one decade yeah. if you think about it. We're dying. Oh, I've been doing that for years. Oh, we were supposed to be off the air. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>